0: Good evening. Today is Wednesday, September 8th, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is more about alcoholism, and our speaker
1: tonight is Barbara A. Thank you, Barbara. Hi, thank you so much. Just want to make sure you can hear me, correct? Perfect. Okay, I was really glad when Subin asked me to do this, and especially about this chapter, because this chapter has one of the most important sentences of everything in it. But I just wanna give you like a 30 second thing. Um, I'm originally from Parsippany, New Jersey. I now live in Newport, Ritchie, Florida. My higher power just conspired to make this happen for me. Found a face-to-face meeting down here, love it down here. But I went to my first meeting on June 10th, 2000, walked into a room of 65 people who every one of them was there to help me and make sure I succeeded. Got a sponsor that first day. Absolutely amazing woman. Went through the steps as outlined in the big book when I was in the rooms for four months. And my life has changed so dramatically from where I was 21 years ago from being so unhappy and so mean-spirited and not fitting in and having my daughter hating me and not having money and every other aspect of my life that did not go well. At 67 years old now, I am living a life beyond anything I could have ever dreamed of. And it's all because I followed the directions in this book exactly as they're written and had a sponsor who made sure that I followed these directions completely. So I'm just going to get into more about alcoholism. And what I want to do is not start at the beginning. I want to go to the sentence that I think is so important. And at the top of page 35, it says, so we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking, for obviously this is the crux of the problem. And and this is an absolute truth for me. Food was never my problem, even though I ate and ate and ate food was my really, really bad solution. Every time I was uncomfortable in my own skin, every time my peace of mind just got disturbed, what would happen is I would use a character defect or I'd run to the food for comfort. And after a while, that just didn't work anymore because no matter how much I ate, I couldn't get the relief that I needed. And for me to be a real compulsive overeater, I need to have the obsession of the mind, coupled with the allergy of the body. But the allergy of the body, as long as I don't put the substance in my body, I'm gonna be okay. The crux of my problem is that I have a brain that every time it's not neutral, my brain says I have to eat or I'm gonna die. And I have no defense against that if I don't connect to a magnificent higher power who is all love and so powerful and performs miracles. And so what this chapter more about alcoholism is about, it's why people relapse. And on the following pages, he gives three the three main reasons why people relapse. So on page 35, he, he talks about Jim. okay? And this is really, I believe, the number one reason that people relapse. They become restless, irritable, discontent, and don't know how to get out of it. So it's anywhere from five seconds before that happens that you run to the food, or I run to the food, or it could be two days later when my brain just keeps chilling at me. How dare they do this to me? Here, you know, um, Here's what I should have done instead. Here's what I'm going to do when, they, when I see them again. There was so much anger and so much angst and so much planning on how to retaliate, and I had no way of getting out of that. Until I followed the directions in this book, did four through nine, got rid of all the stuff that was blocking me off from my higher power, and then learned how to do step 10 immediately. The minute my peace of mind gets disturbed, small, I smile at someone, they don't smile back, all the way to my car breaking down or you know, husband leaving or kid in hospital or whatever it is, anything that disturbed my peace of mind, where I am now after 21 years of living this way, is I automatically turn to this higher power rather than the food or the character defect. And it winds up being a very gentle, happy, God-driven, spiritual life. So I'm going to talk about Jim. Okay, so what they say is, um, this is his story. I came to work on Tuesday morning. I remember I felt irritated that I had to be a salesman for a concern I once owned. I had a few words with the boss, but nothing serious. And I have to laugh about that because if I were the one who was talking to my boss, it would be something serious. If I went into work and I'm on my way there, my brain is saying, oh, this isn't fair. I used to own this place and now I have to go to somebody else. So what happened for Jim is he became restless, irritable, discontent, and just, you know, this is how resentment builds. Someone does a wrong. It's just a wrong. It doesn't become a resentment until I keep talking about it, keep thinking about it, and keep refilling it, which is actually the definition of resentment. Then it turns into something much bigger than it is. And then my addict's brain needs something for comfort because I can't handle this on my own. You know, for him, what he does, he goes to a bar that he's been to before. never got a customer before but his ad experience is, this time I might. And while he's there, he decides that if he puts milk and whiskey together, he'll be okay. And this is the way that my brain worked. It always came up with some kind of solution that really in the long run didn't work. The solution that I have now is running to my higher power at the moment that I'm restless, irritable at discontent. And that works really good for me. The second reason that they give in here is the jaywalker. It's that I don't see or even care about the consequences. And I'll give you an example here. So let's say you knew me really well and you trusted me. And I said to you, hold your breath. And we saw you could hold your breath for 40 seconds. And then I say to you, see this bucket of water? You know you can hold your breath for 45 seconds. But I want you to put your head in this bucket of water for only 15 seconds. But as soon as you put your head in that bucket, I'm gonna put my hand on top of your head, but I promise you, I'm gonna let you up after 15 seconds. This is where knowledge, willpower, anything else, seeing the consequences doesn't matter. Because the minute you put your head in that bucket of water, you feel my hand on your head, your fight or flight kicks in, which happens to us as addicts, even on stuff that isn't life threatening. And the second your fight or flight kicks in, Your brain and your body says, get me out of here or I'm going to die. If you would claw at me, if you had a knife, you'd stab me. If you had a gun, you would shoot me. Because in that exact moment, whatever consequences, I would die, um, you go to jail, whatever it is, those don't even cross your mind. And that's the second reason that people relapse is because in that moment, our brains just take over and nothing is going to stop us. You know, I used to joke around and say, you know, thank goodness my daughter didn't um, catch on fire and there was a white flour product because I probably would have taken a bite of this food before I poured water on her. And, and though I was saying it half-jokingly, that's how overpowering this disease is for me. So that's the second reason, the jaywalker. And then the third example is Fred. And this is fact. You become arrogant and think that it would be impossible to over it again. And more importantly, that you don't need God. I've been doing this for 21 years. I am never going to be at the point where I don't need my higher power to come and give me his power or give me strength or, or help me through anything. Because, um, while, and I'll use the word recovered because that's what this book promises me. In this exact moment, however spiritually fit I am, that I rely on and I'm guided by my higher power, in this moment, three seconds that just happened, three seconds that are about to happen, I am recovered. And as long as I stay connected to this thing that is so powerful and put this world together so beautifully, I'm going to be recovered and okay. But if I become arrogant and I wake up in the morning and I say, I choose not to eat today. If I could choose not to eat today, I don't need this program. I don't need to go to meetings. I don't need to take phone calls at 2 o'clock in the morning from people saying, oh, my God, I'm about to eat. But I have a deal with my higher power that because of what he did for me, whatever he puts in my path, I'm going to do for him. So those are the three reasons that people relapse. As a sponsor, I've sponsored over 800 people because when someone gets to step 10, I back away so that they can connect to their higher power, then reconnect for 11, 12, the principles and the um, traditions. And during that time, I get the chance to take on someone new. And even though this isn't in the book, the fourth thing that I found is unfinished amends. If you do not make your amends, not because it would hurt somebody, that's a good enough reason, but because I'm not doing it, you will never be clear enough and clean enough in your head to get the lessons and the messages from your higher power in steps 10 and 11. Okay, so that's the main part that I wanted to talk. So I'm just going to use the rest of the time to use other things from this chapter. Okay, so um, page 41 says, and they're talking about Fred. I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time I had not even thought of the consequences at all. I commenced to drink as carelessly so the cocktails were ginger ale. And I can't tell you how many times I swore I was gonna to stick to a diet and just ate some white flour product as if it was celery. I couldn't get it in fast enough, okay? Um, the next page talks about trivial reason. And if you go through your history, you will always find that your reason for picking up the food always winds up being something that's not that important. In the moment it seems important, a week later, an hour later, a month later, you probably won't even remember why you ate in the first place. And that's why for me, it's so important to be connected to my higher power. So all of this other crap is not going in my head. Um, it also says, um, okay, I'll give you the last part of the book. There is virtually no other solution. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. His defense must come from a higher power. And I just want to talk about that. If I'm a heart eater instead of a real compulsive overeater, I can decide to do this on my own. I can, out of fear, out of a doctor saying I'll have a heart attack, out of people saying, oh, you lost so much weight, you look great. If I am not a real compulsive overeater, I don't need to do this work. Other than I have sponsored people who are not addicts, And the truth about this book, it's not a book about how to stop eating, drinking, drugging, gambling, sex, and whatever. It's a book on how to find God so that he can be the one in control. Because the real truth is, the real step one is, I'm powerless over thinking on everyone else's higher power, that I have control over everything. The truth is, I don't have control over anything. And what this book does is it, it makes me humble enough. It smashes my ego. It makes me get the experience that this higher power really works. And when I rely on this thing, everything goes so much better for me and everyone else. And as a result in step 11, I slide into step 11. And my third step decision to let this thing be in charge of everything becomes a reality. And then in step 12, having had a spiritual experience, because on the other side of 12, everything is an experience because everything's from my higher power. Um, What happens is the problem gets removed. My problem is my thinking that overreacts to everything and says, I have to eat or I'm gonna die or uses a character defect. And then what happens is I then feel guilty or I feel bad and then I need the food for comfort again. Um, it's just the most amazing program that I have ever, ever seen. Can you just tell me how much more time I have? Is it just like two more minutes? Because, you have six minutes. Okay, so I just want to just go back and just make sure that there's nothing on here. Okay, so another line that I love in this book is on the bottom of page 31. We do not like to pronounce any individual as a compulsive bow reader, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest buffet and try some controlled eating. Try to stop abruptly. And I know for me, that is an impossibility because when I'm upset with the obsession, my brain just keeps saying, you have to eat, you have to eat, you have to eat. And because of the allergy, once I start eating, I can't stop. And I'll end with this, because when I try and explain this disease to someone who doesn't understand what I'm talking about with obsession and the allergy, drink five gallons of water and don't go to the bathroom. And what happens is every cell in my body would be screaming with pain or whatever signal to try and force me to go to the bathroom. And if I'm an accountant and I have to add numbers, I can't because all my brain is saying is go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. And between these two things, I have no choice but to go to the bathroom. It's exactly the same with the food. So I will end there. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be of service.
0: Thank you, Barbara. Uh, Thank you. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter. Uh, more about alcoholism and the step, step one being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raise hands in order. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes uh, for each share and announcement time is up. It's
1: over
2: to you, Erin, to call the names. Right, Zoom host calls. I, I don't see. Oh, There's not, my bad. There we go. Subin. Uh, Subin, so compulsive over-reader. I'll go. <laughs> no one makes <laughs> Thank you, Barbara, for coming and doing service. Um, I, you popped into my head today. I was like working. I was back to work after like being two, like over two weeks off. And I was like working. And then like my shift ends, you know, at like 7:30, And then I'm like, oh, getting resentful because I always get to leave early whenever I work in that unit. And then my coworker over there is not doing as much work as me. And then I'm like getting resentful and resentful. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, Fariba used to say, like, when she did this work, she used to be lazy, but she reala- she saw that laziness in her step work and acted the opposite and became really hard working and she started getting all these promotions so I was like okay you know I gotta not complain and not um, be resentful but um continue to work but yeah I just um yeah I, I loved everything you shared um I guess I have a question um my question is like you have so much time now like over 20 years like how do you continue to grow um, in your spiritual journey and develop, like, like growing that relationship with your higher power? Thank you.
1: Okay, hey, um, even though it's been 21 years, I have to tell you, I still every morning wake up and the first thing is thank you God for another day. I grow because I don't take anything for granted. I also realize that every single thing, every breath, every step I take, everything I see, because down here, you get stopped at a red light, it's four minutes before it changes to green. Getting a green light, I am so grateful for everything that happens that, um, for me, it's just a matter of continuously realizing how magnificent my higher power is. The other thing also that, you know, and you know this, soup, and I sponsor like seven, eight, nine people at a time. And uh, while that sounds like a lot... The way that I sponsor is I give them an assignment, and the first thing when they call in the morning is, Did you do your assignment? If they say no, I say, Well, I'm going to hang up now. Call me back when you have it done. Going through the steps, they do the assignment and they call me when it's done. So I have time. I'm not talking to people all the time. But by working with so many people, especially new people or those who are still struggling, I get to be even more grateful that I can be an agent of God. And that's where it grows because. Everywhere I look, I see miracles. It's just amazing. And, and, you know, like when I did a workshop, it was like, you know, if you buy a red car, if you're going to buy a red car, everywhere you look, you see a red car. I'm looking for my higher power. I see him everywhere. And the messages that I get and the lessons that I learn, it just never ends. And every time, like, my life gets to a point where I say, like, moving down here, like the world just conspired to make it happen, I think it can't get better. And then it continues to get better anyway. And so I think with gratitude, that's where it keeps growing, you know, and working with others. Cause every time I go through the big book, I find something new. So thanks for the question. Thank you, Susan and Barbara. Um, next up we have Amy.
3: Thank you, Aaron. And thank you staff for your service and everybody else doing service here tonight. And especially thank you, Barbara, for that incredibly thorough look through this chapter, your your knowledge about the book is so um, clear. And I really loved listening to you go through it. And I love the fact that you started, you started with the top of 35 and some of the mental states that precede a relapse for obviously this is the crux of the problem, this being like the mental states. And then in the next sentence, it's what sort of thinking. I've been having a lot of outreach lately about the addict's first thought, and how this program treats the mental twist. I heard somebody say abstinence treats the allergy of the body, the steps treat the mental twist. So I'm leading up to a question in that, the I, I'm just sort of, I would love your take from your experience and your depth of experience with regards to it being a problem of thought and a program of action and thoughts preceding and influencing action, that relationship. I would really love to hear your take on that thing.
1: Okay. So, you know, not that I've ever tried to figure out why this program works. I just know that it does. And I know that it's based on my higher power who came in. but what I'm going to tell you right now, doesn't sound like it's talking about higher power, but higher power enabled this to happen. Okay. So I'm little, someone makes fun of me. I. Do something mean-spirited. And I, and that becomes my automatic reaction. Uh, my mom says, dry the dishes. I don't want to. I drop the dish. And she says, never mind. I'll do it myself. I get a reward from being lazy. And I don't realize that each of these things, which gave me a reward at some time, has become my automatic reaction until I do the inventories and I see that lazy, mean-spirited put me in the position to have the life that I had beforehand. But what I also realized is that every time I was lazy or mean-spirited or dishonest or something, that all of a sudden became my automatic reaction. Just like if you were walking down the street and you heard a car coming around the corner, you don't have to stop and think you jump on the sidewalk, okay? Your fight or flight takes over. And with my brain, that's what happened. It automatically takes over with a character defect are running to the substance and it's so hardwired in my head. So now I'm going to jump to step 10. Even seven is where you start doing, but 10 is where it really happens. Okay, so someone says something mean to me and I automatically in that exact moment do a step 10. I'm about to retaliate or say something mean to that person because that's my automatic reaction. But by doing steps one through nine, I now have like a three to five second window before I react. And in that three to five second window, I get to decide, am I going to turn to my higher power and ask for the strength to do the opposite of what I was about to do? And every single time I do that, I start breaking that pathway in my brain. And a new, just like if you were to call me every day, just dialing the number, um, you wouldn't have to look up the number. But let's say five years later, you go to call me, that pathway is gone and you have new numbers in there for other people that you talk to. It works the exact same way, but it doesn't happen overnight. Step 10 takes a long time for the character defects to be diminished or removed. Step seven, and believe me, I never would diss this program or the big book. Step seven makes it sound like you say a prayer and you wake up the next morning and all your character defects are gone. It takes a lot of work of constantly turning to your higher power for the strength to do the opposite, and then doing that opposite. And I'll tell you, real. so when I first started doing step 10, my big thing was to find a pocketbook with money hanging out of it and nobody around. So now I get to step 10 and I go in the ladies room, there's a pocketbook with money hanging out and no one around. I get to choose in that moment, do I do my automatic reaction? because My first reaction was steal the money or do I turn to my higher power? Please stop me from being honest, teach me to be honest and I don't take the money. I get invited like a few weeks later to a party. And before this, believe me, I was never invited anywhere. (laughs) No one liked me. And she tells me, put my coat up in the bedroom. I go through, everybody's pocketbook is on the bed. So what happens is instead, God just keeps giving me chances to learn to be the opposite. And the more I do that, the more I short circuit it. So that's like the addict's first thought is my automatic reaction, which I've been using for decades. And I have to learn to do the opposite, but on my own, I don't have the power to do that. But somehow with this higher power, I can pretty much do anything.
3: (laughs) That was fantastic. Thank you so much for that answer.
1: Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you, Amy and Barbara. Next up is Emily B.
4: Hi, um, Barbara. That was absolutely wonderful. I'm on step two. And so I like just read that the other day and all of my little awarenesses you covered. So I'm like, yes, you know, um, I love that. Anyways, my question for you is I am working this, like my life depends on it right now. Um, two meetings a day call, you know, all of this stuff, all that to say that like, right tonight was going to be like my one night off and I got a food thought and I was like, mother effer, you know? So I jumped on a meeting right away. And that's why, like part of why I offered to do, um, be spiritual timekeeper too. I'm like, how can I be of service right now? But I've been sitting in this food thought, like trying to really focus on you, but also praying like when I get them, they last for like hours. And so like, what does someone do while they're like in the beginning of the steps and they haven't gotten to step in? Like what's, what's your feedback on that?
1: I just want to very quickly tell you that step two is just realizing that there is something, there's nothing in step two that says you have to be connected to or guided by this power yet, because you don't have the power to do that. You still need to do the other work. So don't feel bad if you don't like, you know, please God, please God, please God, and you're not getting the results that you want. But I'll go back to when I first started. My mom and I would go to Atlantic City and we would go to the all you could eat buffet and before program sit there for hours. She's diabetic, but she eat really all the desserts anyway. So now I'm in program. I'm only like two weeks abstinent, and she's eating all the desserts, saying, Mmm, this is so good. Are you sure you don't want a bite? And I don't fight with anybody. You know, I just say no, thank you, because I learned that's a complete sentence. I don't have to give an excuse to someone, because the minute I give an excuse, it's the weirdest thing. It becomes people's mission to try and get me to take a bite. But when your body's up, this is what I did, like sitting there with my mom in my head. Please, God, keep me absent. Please, God, keep me absent. Please, God, keep me absent. And then eventually I just said to my mom, I'm going to go back in the casino. And she said, okay. Like, it wasn't a big deal because I didn't make a big deal about it. But what happened was when I would get a food thought at the beginning, what I tried to do was figure out what do I have to do not to do it. Like, the tools will help. The tools help at the beginning. They will not work forever. Something major happens. Unfortunately, the tools won't keep you absent only your higher power role. But what I used to do is every time I had a food thought and it wouldn't go away, I would go take a hot shower. I was the cleanest person in way for the first six weeks because I could, my thing is white flour and you can't bring that in the shower, it melts, right? So the thing is to find some kind of activity or use the phone. Because you know the phone is so that you get a network of people that when you're, you know, you can call when you're having difficulty. But one of the best things for getting out of the food is to try and find someone to help. Get a list of people, call someone and say, hi, how are you doing? If they say doing good, say good, I wish you a good day. What you're looking for is that one person says, oh my God, thank you for calling, I was just about to eat. Find something that makes you feel useful, even if it's not in way. Go to a rescue thing, go for a walk, call someone who you know is lonely, go to an old age home, except they probably won't let you in right now because of COVID, but Find something that will help you feel like you're useful because when you're useful, you're happy. And when you're useful and not focused on yourself, you can't be depressed. The food thoughts don't come in. Um, there's a whole bunch of things that happen when you don't focus on yourself. It takes time and doing the steps before that actually becomes your way of life on the other side of twelve. But just figure out what you can do to help someone else the other thing is, don't buy the stuff and bring it into your house. Do not get in your car and go driving someplace. You know, that's when you ask God for the strength to throw it out or to just go turn around and go back in tears. But for me, taking a shower worked beautifully. Thank you, Emily and Barbara. Next up, we have Laura.
5: Hi, I'm
1: Laura, compulsive overeater.
5: Um, happy to be here. Thank you so much, Barbara, for your share. It was amazing. Um, I like how you started with food is not my problem. It's my solution and the crux of the problem. um, For me, the main problem is in my mind. Um, And I'm really feeling that lately because I'm in step four. And um, I'm starting to realize that I... not thinking about food i'm thinking about buying stuff and it's like really it's like really strong and like getting out of control and like taking over my thoughts all day and i'm like this is so weird like i was totally focused on you know not picking up the food and here i am just like spending money i don't have and it's freaking me out So, um, I'm just going to keep going and, you know, reach out to people and talk about it. And I'm grateful to be aware of this, um, was not aware of this before now. Um, and I was, you know, I'm grateful to be thinking about it now because I'm putting this in my fourth step inventory and, Today, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking like, maybe I'm just afraid that I'm going to pick up food. And that's why I keep spending on these things that I don't need. So, um, yeah, but it is confusing because I, I have like this new problem entering. It seems like a new problem, even though I know it's the same problem as binging. Um, I'm like, oh, there's like something new I have to deal with now. And maybe maybe it's not, maybe it's the exact same problem. I can't really tell right now, but that's where I'm at. So um, um definitely open to calls and feedback and everything like that, but thanks for letting me share.
1: Okay, and look, I just wanna talk a couple of things. All you're doing is changing seats on the Titanic, which is what they call it. You're just substituting one thing for another. What you need to do is, instead of substituting shopping for the food, you need to substitute your higher power, which will come. What I want to mention to you is what you're feeling is normal, okay? The truth is, the four-step inventory should be done really, really fast, and here's the reason why. So on your resentment, you're writing down who you're mad at, why you're mad, how it affects you, how you got the ball rolling in the character defect, okay? You're writing down on paper every single thing that made you eat in the past. So, of co- and, and every step is designed to make you just a drop uncomfortable so that you quickly move to the next because once you do your fifth step and then get to six or seven, the stuff on your inventories won't matter anymore, okay? So my suggestion to you is don't do like one part, you know, like column one, one week and the just instead of going shopping, get out those forms, do column one, do column two, do column three, four, five, move on to the... Um, and the only hard part is the fourth column, how I got the ball rolling, because we never looked at how we were responsible. Once you do that fourth column, what happens is the other inventories, the the um, fear inventory is really easy, and the harms inventories with and without sex are real easy. And the second you get this all done, you talk to your sponsor, you talk about the character defects, and you move on to six and seven to connect to your higher power to have him start diminishing and removing them. But what you're feeling is normal, okay? There, there's fear that maybe this won't work. You're looking at everything that made you want to. And, and, and also, you have to remember, when you're doing the inventories, when you get to count 4 you're not a bad person. You're someone who just has a whole bunch of character defects that had you do a whole bunch of crazy things. But my suggestion is get through it as quickly as you can and all those food thoughts go away. Thank you. Thank you, Laura and Barbara. Next up we have Mary W.
6: Hi, I'm Mary W. from uh, Southern California. I'm happy to be here and I've attended this meeting before but I haven't shared yet. Um, but I wanted to share tonight because um, I've had like this perfect storm of um, occurrences happen <laughs> and life in a big way. Um, uh, I, I have been in relapse um, throughout the pandemic and um, I've been working with a sponsor and um, have been staying abstinent and working through step four and step five. And it was such a powerful experience, much more so than my first time doing it, that I was almost like on edge or very nervous or just restless. And my sponsor told me, you know, that's normal. We need to get you moving on, you know, going through step six and seven. And then um, life happened. I promised my daughter I would babysit her children while she went on vacation then my mother died, and then the funeral is next week. And I just, I guess it's no surprise that I relapsed. Um, And I'm not sure, like um, I've been absent for the last couple of days, but I guess my question would be, how do I, and the funeral is out of town, so how do I keep my program going while I'm going to be busy with, funeral activities and family and um, still, like try to stay connected to program to higher power. Um, Yeah. Now, my
1: answer to it's gonna come across as cold hearted and believe me, I'm coming through with complete love, okay? When my father died, okay, my sisters were destroyed and I was in program. The first thing that I did was not fall into self-pity. What I did was instead of looking at, oh, no, I'm without my dad right now, which I'm not minimizing your loss at all. I know how big it is. What I did instead was I looked at how grateful I was that I still had my dad till he was 83 years old, okay, and that he didn't suffer any longer, Okay, so that was like mm-hmm. the first thing. The second thing is, how do you keep your program going? First thing is a couple of things. Make a list of what I call red light, yellow light, green light foods. Your red light foods are the foods that you binge on. Yellow light foods are the foods that maybe you can eat, but they're not that healthy. And your green light ones are the foods that are abstinent food, foods for you that you like. And that green light list, if it's not on that green light list, you're not eating it, whether you are home in a store, in a restaurant, at a funeral with your family. What I did when I first started was no matter where I went, I put two apples in my pocketbook. Because if I went someplace where there was nothing I could eat, the apple takes a long time, it tastes good, or like something that you like. Not carrots and celery, this isn't a diet, okay? And only twice in 21 years did I have to pull them out. A party that was just desserts and alcohol. And another one where the food was so disgusting that everybody wanted my apple. (laughs) But the the whole thing is, um, the other thing I would suggest doing is just writing down your definition of abstinence. Three meals a day with nothing in between, but non caloric beverages, no red light foods, four hours between there, whatever it is so that you have boundaries that will tell you that you're in there. The thing to remember is your higher power is always with you. Whether you're on the, on the other side of 12 or even not even at 11 yet, God is always there. We're the ones who shut him out. And I I, I, I don't really do him or her, but it's so much easier just to use those words. But the, the whole thing is, my concept of God is the life force of every atom in the universe. That power and that concept is available to me everywhere, including deep inside me and in the people around me. Focus on, instead of the food, focus on talking to people, other people, You know, talk about your mom with them, like the great experiences they have for them. And as long as you're not falling into self-pity or sitting there being very upset and, and instead celebrating her life, you will find that your abstinence will be much, much easier. It may not be perfect, and granted, there's going to be times you'll be home alone at night, and all these thoughts will be gone through your head, but the truth is you're never alone. Your higher power is always with you. can always talk to him, and he will talk back in through other people, through things you read, things you hear. So I'm really sorry for your loss, and I hope you get it through with grace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mary and Barbara.
0: Uh, We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares with the Zoom host. Please stop the recording. Thank you.
1: I'm sorry. What am I supposed to